Oh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome to, believe it or not, our 17th Tosca 3030. It seems like we just started doing these things. Thanks for joining us today. I saw many of you at GlobalCam the week before last um, and uh, heard a lot of positive things about these 3030, so uh, it's good to be doing these things. Uh, we have 270 people registered today from 11 different uh, countries, so really excited to talk about a, I guess, not particularly exciting topic, I guess, but uh, an important one nonetheless. So um, let's get in and get started, given that we only have... 30 minutes or so. Let me try the little arrow here, and remember, you need to see the little green arrows. Hopefully, you need to dial in to get the sound. So, access obviously the slides via computer and the sound via phone. And the question has already come in: uh, Is everything available after the webinar? And the answer is yes. Uh, there's a picture of me. The picture I don't like, where I've got bags under my eyes. So, we'll quickly uh, get into the substance of what we're going to talk about today. And, um, geez, well, obviously we've got a uh, what a 24-page Federal Register notice in 30 minutes, so we can't go into enormous detail. But as usual, I'll try to point out the things that I think are important from a, from a more practical standpoint. So um, this is by way of background and view more than anything else. But here's here's where we stand today, as you probably know, if you're dealing with Section 5 day in, day out like I am. We don't have any fees for low-IM exemptions, low-REX exemptions, test marketing exemptions, and the non-MCAM microorganism filings, and there are three or four of those. So we, we, we don't have uh, fees for a fair number of TOSCA filings. Um, the old statute before it was amended uh, in June of 2016 authorized fees for Section 4, uh, but not for Section 6, but historically EPA didn't. Uh, as you probably know, uh, didn't assess fees for anything under Section 4, but really focused on, on Section 5. So in the old world, uh, actually and currently as we speak today, uh, if you are a small business concern, and we'll talk in some detail about what that is, uh, the fees for making a Section 5 filing for any notice uh, that had a fee was a whopping $100. So that was good. For everyone else, now we're at the third bullet, uh, as we well know, the filing fee, and it's been this way since, geez, the 1980s, uh, was 2500 bucks for uh, PMNs, consolidated PMNs, significant new use notices, MCANs, and the peel-apart exemption application that in 25 years of practice I've never used. But hey, if you did that, 2500 bucks. Uh, we also had a reduced fee of $1,000 U.S. for an intermediate PMN. And this was a, a fee for one or more intermediates uh, that were produced uh, in the production of a final product. So long as you uh, filed a PMN for the final product and paid the full fee for that one. So we had a reduced filing fee for basically this uh, uh, substance in a synthetic sequence. So now, as we well know, now that the dust has settled at least a little bit from the reset, which I hope you all uh, complied with, uh, we have the Lautenberg Chemical Safety Act, okay, and and we're talking today almost exclusively about Section 26B. And by the way, I'm going to assume that the audience has a pretty good familiarity with Sections 4, 5, and 6. But in any event, um, Section 26B authorizes EPA to, uh, by rule, require payment from persons. And I won't read these bullets to you, but basically these fees, if you will, um, uh, cover activities and filings made, if you will, under Sections 4, 5, and 6B. 4, 5, and 6, really the heart of the substantive provisions of TOSCA. And as noted here at the bottom, the fee can be no more than reasonably necessary to defray the costs and also cover Section 14. So if the question is what 
sections of Tosca are covered by the fee rule is 4, 5, 6, and 14. And we're not going to talk much about Section 14 because there are no uh, kind of a la carte fees per se for Section 14 like there are in places like Australia. Uh, and, and the cost of the Section 14 activities are basically built into the other fees. So in, in the statute, if you look at Section 26B, it's not very long. It's maybe a page or so. So uh, Congress has provided EPA with kind of skeletal instructions for what has to happen with respect uh, to fees. So when EPA sets fees, it needs to consider the person's ability to pay, and that's manifested primarily in the small business provision that we'll get to and the cost of EPA for the, the action at issue. And obviously, uh, that's really the focus of what the FR notice is about. Uh, the statutory, uh, statute authorizes the EPA to allow fee sharing and requires EPA con to consult with the Small Business Administration and to address the small business uh, definition, if you will. Okay, this is an important slide. If you're marking slides that are important, this one is pretty important, and we'll come back to this. So, now we've already talked about small business concerns up here. Let me try my little pointer, we've, uh, and we'll talk about that again. Hey, why isn't that working? There we go. Okay, uh, these two arrows here, I'll try to make them somewhat parallel, are, are important. Um, so EPA has to set the fees that we're talking about here today so that they annually provide the lower of 25% of EPA's cost in administering the sections we just talked about or $25 million, and also to cover Section 6 activities, which we'll cover on a later slide. So these numbers here are very important. 25% of EPA's cost are $25 million. Those are the ceiling. Those are the maximum amounts that EPA can collect under this fee rule. And at this bottom bullet we'll, we'll cover in, the, in other slides. So when it comes to section, and we'll talk obviously about section 405 in some detail, and when it comes to section 6, I'm sure you, you recall that um, the revamped section 6 is primarily focused on EPA-initiated evaluations, where EPA prioritizes chemicals, as we know, and conducts risk evaluations on substances uh, that are deemed to be high priority. But in addition to that, as you know, manufacturers can basically uh, ask EPA to conduct a risk evaluation on their substances. So for these types of substances, um, you have two categories. This category, I'll get my pointer again right here, and this category right here. And for substances, for these voluntary, for these you know manufacturer-initiated risk evaluations, uh, the fee has to be has to basically cover 100% of the costs. So in these cases, the requester pays for the whole thing. But if the chemical happens to be on the 2014 work plan which contains, what, 80 or so chemicals and categories, then the fee has to basically recoup 50% of EPA's um, uh, estimated cost for that activity. Let me just check uh, my notes here. Just a quick thing. You know, obviously you have this manufacturer-initiated um, risk evaluation process. The statute makes it clear, however, that EPA is not allowed to expedite or provide special treatment if you ask EPA to evaluate your substance. Uh, but it does have some... Um, ramifications uh, with respect to preemption and, and certain other things. So there are some benefits, at least theoretically, to manufacturer-initiated um, risk evaluations. Just a couple other things, then we'll get into some of the details. Let me see, and we'll talk about these later on. So basically there are some procedures for refunds. That's the first bullet here. Uh, the second one basically says that, hey, the, these programs need to be funded at a certain level or EPA can't even assess these fees. 
Uh, third bullet, every three years, EPA has to take a look at and make any necessary adjustments to the fee program, primarily for inflation, but to also see how well uh, the fees conform with those 25% and 25 million cutoffs that I just mentioned. Uh, and this whole thing goes away in 10 years after, unless it's reauthorized, which one would suspect uh, it will be, but a lot can change in 10 years. Okay, let's get down to the heart of the matter here. Uh, as you know, what is this, three weeks or so ago, EPA published, and, and we all had pre-publication copies of this, its proposed fee rule. Comments are due April 27th on this, unless the um, comment date's extended, which uh, happens from time to time. Uh, and it describes the fees in the categories for fiscal 19, 20, and 21, and how EPA proposes to approach, <coughs> excuse me, future years. Uh, where are my notes, just to make sure I'm not forgetting anything? I'm printing two slides on a page. There we go. It also, of course, addresses small businesses. So, let's do this backwards. Let's start with small business first, because it's going to come up a lot. The current standard, right, we talked about small businesses only have a $100 filing fee for Section 5 filings, right? Um, small businesses currently defined, I won't read the definition to you, um, as including persons whose total annual sales combined with a parent are less than $40 million. Uh, EPA is proposing to increase that amount, no surprise, by using the producer price uh, index for chemicals and allied products. And when you apply that uh, index uh, between 1988 and today at $40 million, you come up with $91 million. $91 million is the number. So a small business now will be defined essentially precisely as set forth uh, currently, but the $40 million will be replaced by $91 million. And the other change that EPA is proposing, you don't look only at the last fiscal year, you can look at the average of the preceding three fiscal years, by the fiscal, uh, the word fiscal goes, it's fiscal as well here, fiscal here and fiscal here. Average sales over those three years and uh, for purposes of calculating sales in this context. Sip of water and we proceed. Okay. Um, there was a fair amount of talk in the public meetings and in the preamble about making fees proportional. And this basically means that a fee, ideally, under this theory, should be, have some relationship to the amount of effort and money spent by EPA on the activity for which the fee applies. Okay, and that's in large part what what happened here. Uh, obviously, EPA, since these fees will only be in effect starting this October, as we'll discuss, EPA is only looking at at the world uh, as it's going to exist at that time. Now, some important stuff again. If you're looking at important slides, these two numbers uh, are important. So, and we're not going to go into all the gory details about how EPA arrived at this number, but EPA basically said, hey, based on everything we need to do under sections four, five, six, and fourteen. Um, we think that the, the estimated cost of doing these things is going to be $80.2 million per year, okay? And recall, we have the, those ceilings, the $25 million or 25%, and EPA therefore applies the lower one and multiplies $80.2 million by 0.25, and you come up with $20.05 million. So that's a key number. So that's the amount of fees that EPA is, is seeking to collect by virtue of this rule. And we'll talk about six, uh, Section 6 chemicals um, and, and the uh, manufacturer-initiated ones separately. 
Okay, so 20.05 million is what EPA seeks to collect out of its overall estimated 80.2 million in cost to administer these sections of Tosca. Why? There we go. Advance. My slide got stuck. Okay. So, again, when you think about fees, step one for EPA was to estimate its cost, and we know what that is, $80.2 million, and then to come up with what fees add up to 25% of that cost. So here is very, very generally how EPA came up with the $80.2 million, right? You can see the numbers, and, of course, they may not add up exactly due to rounding. In fact, they don't, I don't think. Uh, and you can see, and I guess I should have put the percentages there, but $3.5 million here, this um, – corresponds to 4.4%, 28.7 million is 35.8%, 43.6 million is 54.4% of 82 million, and section 14 is about 5.4%. Um, so you can see that EPA believes that most of its costs will be driven by section 6, followed by section 5, and section 4 and 14 uh, far behind in terms of estimated costs. Perhaps no surprise. Come on, slide. There we go. Okay, just briefly, how did EPA come up with its estimates for Sections 4, 5, and 6? For Section 4, EPA estimates – well, I should back up. You may recall that among the changes to Section 4 um, uh, under the Lautenberg Act was the authority that it was to provide EPA with authority to basically require testing by a simple order and not always by a test rule or an ECA, which is an enforceable consent agreement, as most of you know. So EPA can use these orders, which theoretically are more straightforward than test rules or ECAs. So EPA estimates it's going to use these more streamlined orders 10 times a year, and they're going to issue one test rule a year and one ECA per year. Remember, test rules are full-blown notice and comment rulemakings, and ECAs, you know, when all is said and done, are probably uh, almost equally as um, – labor-intensive from an EPA standpoint. So it takes about two years to complete a rule or ECA. EPA estimates, again, for, for basically ballpark purposes, that each of these will cover one to seven chemicals. You probably know that we have that many, many test rules, at least in the past, covered hundreds of chemicals, but many of those were the HPV orphan um, chemicals, and there were necessarily a lot of those. Uh, they think that testing under these orders will take likely less than a year, uh, and that testing for the rules in the ECAs will be less than two years. Although I'll tell you what, as I think this group would agree, um, you know, getting any kind of testing done in a year can be a challenge by the time you get the lab, you get the test method, you get the results, et cetera. So if you want test results for something in a year, it better be a pretty darn easy test, like an acute uh, aquatic or something like that. Okay, how did EPA come up with its Section 5 estimate? We'll spend a little bit more time on this. You know, as you probably know, EPA has got all sorts of experience with, with processing PMNs. Uh, they processed probably, what, a 1,000 or so PMNs a year uh, since the early 1980s. However, as you, as a, again, this group I'm sure knows very well, uh, after the Lautenberg Act um, uh, was enacted in, in uh, 2016, EPA has to consider the conditions of use and has to make an affirmative, uh, one of three affirmative determinations as to the PMN substance. So, uh, perhaps understating this, uh, getting a PMN through and the amount of effort needed by EPA uh, is, is much different than it used to be prior to 2016. 
That all being said, in 20 in county year 2016, here at the third bullet, EPA received 577 PMNs and similar submissions, and 560 things. These are probably primarily <coughs> low volume exemptions here. Okay, so EPA received what is it? 1137. 1137 Section 5 notices. And of course, 2016 was a strange year because right in the middle of that, you had enactment of the Lautenberg Act. But in any event, that's, that's probably a pretty good estimate of the amount of Section 5 notices uh, EPA has received over the past 10 years or so. So EPA, again, without going into all the gory details, says, hey, when you look, when we look at all the estimated, you know, costs to, to review these notices, and we're going to assume that uh, we're going to receive 20% fewer PMNs and SNUNs and MCANs due to these fees. Uh, when you divide our cost by the number of PMNs, which is, what, 462 of them, 462 PMNs here, um, it's going to come out to be about 55,200 uh, per PMN. And EPA also estimates that uh, there's 500, same number of exemption episodes, so 560 here, which is just coincidentally one tenth of this number. Got nothing to, to the two numbers are separate, but in any event, uh, at those EPA estimates 5,600 bucks to review, for example, a low volume exemption. Um, you know, I guess my only thought there would be, based on our recent experience, um, there's certainly no guarantee that a low volume exemption is going to be approved, and 5,600 bucks, if anything, might be a bit on the low side. But maybe when you average it out, it comes out to be okay. Quick note on Section 5. We mentioned earlier that for $1,000, you can notify an intermediate substance in a synthetic pathway. Uh, EPA is eliminating this, this category. <clears throat> they believe – excuse me, let me just take a sip of water here – that they don't really save uh, – uh, there's not that much economy by, by reviewing these um, intermediates. And so that category is being eliminated by EPA. So basically what, what EPA is saying is if you start with chemical raw material A and you convert it to B to C to D to E to F to H and then final product I, you have to pay, as we'll see shortly, a $16,000 filing fee for all of those chemicals. So there's no break for any of these intermediates. Uh, so uh, uh, you may want to not isolate those if you can, but that's a, a different issue. Um, however, EPA is not eliminating the consolidation requirement. As you folks, again, probably know, you currently can consolidate up to six chemicals in a PMN for a single filing fee, right? They all get assigned their own PMN numbers. They go through review individually. Uh, what you save is trees, or at least uh, cyber trees, uh, and filing fee. So EPA is still going to allow that, uh, but to consolidate in the first place, you need similar toxicology uses and production volume. And if you don't have at least some good combination of that, EPA will not allow consolidation. And you do need to, um, EPA does need to approve uh, consolidation. So obviously that's going to be um, more important now, um, or, or at least after October, than it, than it is now when the filing fee is only $2,500, at least for non-intermediate PMNs. Okay, Session 6. And, geez, yeah, if you wanted to go into all the detail um, uh, that EPA put into coming up with this estimates, we'd it'd take a long time. But it, basically what EPA did – well, let's start with some numbers. Uh, the statute provides that by the end of 2019, EPA has to have at least 20 risk evaluations basically ongoing plus these 
industry-requested evaluations. And EPA expects to have 20 or 30 of these uh, going uh, uh, in, in some stage in any given year. Um, and so EPA uh, did a significant amount of work in, in estimating the amount of time and money needed for data gathering, hazard assessment, exposure assessment, drafting evaluations, responding to comments. Um, and they based this on work plan, WP means work plan here in the second bullet, chemicals, and uh, information available to EPA from registrations under the Pesticide Registration Improvement Act, or PRIA, where EPA looked at new conventional food use active ingredients and tried to liken um, evaluations for those chemicals to Section 6 evaluations under TOSCA. And EPA also looked at uh, some of the chemicals here, NMP, methylene chloride, TCE, and antimony trioxide to try to uh, come up with an estimate of cost for Section 6. And again, that's, that's in 30 seconds what you could spend an hour talking about. Um, and voila, now we open up the curtain to see a table that you've probably seen before. And this is the table of at least the, the first approach used by EPA or put forth by EPA. These are the proposed fees uh, that will be uh, in effect beginning October 1, as we'll discuss. As you can see, under Section 4, we have three different types of activities as we talked about these uh, more streamlined orders and test rules and ECAs. We have a lower fee for the order for the reasons, some of the reasons we discussed, and the higher fees for the test rules and the ECAs. Uh, and if you look at some of the comments and some of EPA's thinking, um, you know, uh, at least there is some consideration of the fact that when you're talking about a test rule or a test order or an ECA, a company is spending, in some cases, lots and lots of money to conduct the testing. Therefore, the fees uh, shouldn't be that high, uh, uh, particularly since all EPA would do ostensibly is review the results of these studies. Anyway, moving on to Section 5, and of course, here's the big one. Uh, PMN fees uh, and these kind of what I'll call these full Section 5 notices, the fees for those will be 16000 as proposed by EPA, and some of the lesser TOSCA findings out here, uh, the fee will be, I forget what the multiplier is here, maybe that's just an estimate, $4,700 for those. Okay, so again, the fees for these in this category on here with all the green arrows used to be zero, uh, and now $4,700, and of course the PMN fee is increased, I think, what, 540% from 2,500 uh, to 16,000 as proposed by EPA. And down here you can see the proposed fees for the Section 6. Of course, the EPA-initiated risk evaluation is kind of your standard Section 6 pathway fees, 1.3 mil, 1.35 mil. Um, uh, work plan chemical manufacturer requested 1.3. And um, for a paltry 2.6 million, uh, you can have EPA evaluate a chemical that's not in the 2014 work plan. So this really is, of course, the end result of, uh, of at least EPA's um, efforts to propose fees for um, non-small businesses. So I'm having trouble advancing here. For small businesses, uh, basically EPA is giving uh, small businesses an 80% reduction in most cases. I think this one here, this 2,800 is like 82.5%. Uh, but otherwise, all of these numbers here are the numbers on the previous slide multiplied by 0.2. All right, so if you're a small business, um, the, the fees are much lower um, than 
for non-small businesses. And again, we've got a, what, a $91 million cap in sales for small businesses, at least as proposed. Okay, let's see what I have to say here. So, if you look at these fees and you look at the number of notices estimated uh, to be received by EPA, for example, here's what you come up with. All right, for Section 4, <laughs> excuse me, uh, Section 4 fees will uh, amount to 1% of the total revenue, of, these are all rounded, uh, of the revenue, revenue that would be connect, uh, collected, forgive me, under this proposed rule. Section 6 over here, the large majority of the fees collected um, will be for Section 6 actions. And Section 5, fairly close behind, about 43% of the fees will be from Section 5 submissions. Again, right, remember over here for Section 5, you've got, what, 462 PMNs, estimates EPA, and 560 low-volume exemptions and other notices. Up here in Section 4, again, you've got... Um, Ten test orders, one test rule, and one ECA. And over here, you've got, uh, what do you have, 25 or so EPA-initiated Section 6 actions um, and, what, five or so uh, work plan chemicals. So the way the fees work out is most of the revenue, as I just said, is going to be derived from Section 6 fees, followed by Section 5 and Section 4, um, far behind. Okay, and things get a little, little interesting. Who's, who's going who's gonna to pay these fees? Okay, and you know, I mean, I think, well, that's kind of a stupid question, Tom, but it, it's really not uh, because EPA has the authority to impose fees on processors, but it's really going to focus on manufacturers and importers. And this is discussed in the preamble, and EPA makes a point here: trying to identify all the processors of a chemical uh, is not an easy task, uh, and EPA is likely to miss some. Also, uh, similar to what you see under FIFR, manufacturers can pass on, at least in EPA's view, will pass along some of these costs to their downstream customers slash processors. That being said, processors would be subject to fees if they submit SNUNs and uh, for Section 4 activities that are tied to SNUNs. And that makes sense because, really, if you think about it, with, certain, with some exceptions, about the only notices, the only significant notices that uh, processors are required to submit. Of course, they may submit reset notices by October of this year, as you know, um, are SNUNs, right? Processors are not subject to CDR. Uh, they're not subject to Section 5 PMN requirements. So it makes sense that processors are on the hook for SNUN-related filings for fees. And, of course, uh, you know, how do you identify the person who's subject to the fee? Well, it's pretty obvious if you file a PMN uh, that the fee is assessed against the filer of the PMN. Uh, but for something like a Section 6 rule, for example, you know, how does EPA figure out who, who to assess the fee to? That's proper grammar. Uh, and EPA says, well, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to look at CDR reports and figure out uh, who manufactured or imported this chemical. And there's probably, you know, there's a couple sentences in there, a couple paragraphs on this in the preamble, but EPA is specifically soliciting comment on this and uh, on the issue of how can EPA ascertain the universe of persons subject to Section 6 fees? Uh, so if anyone on this call is thinking about submitting comments, that's clearly an area that EPA wants to hear from industry on. And I can certainly tell you in my experience that, you know, uh, it's not unusual 
uh, this probably comes up every every couple of years in my practice. Somebody calls me up and says, hey, Tom, you know, there's this Section 4 test rule or ECA, and I think so-and-so is in this business, but they're not, you know, they haven't raised their hand. Um, so um, I think even in some more clear-cut cases, um, some people, uh, you know, the net misses certain people, and you may see that here certainly for CDR, and you can think of all sorts of reasons that CDR might miss a manufacturer or importer of a chemical subject to a Section 6 risk evaluation. When do you have to pay these fees? Uh, geez, well, let's start with Section 5. Let's jump around a little bit. Uh, right when you file the notice, lump sum payment. So you file a PMN, you file a none. You need to pay the fee at the same time. Of course, EPA allows you to use pay.gov, I'm sorry, pay.gov or Fedwire. Uh, so you can use a credit card and get uh, frequent flyer miles if you'd like. Uh, when you when you pay your sixteen thousand dollar PMN or SON fee, the payment is due uh, when you file the notice for Section Four and Section Six. I won't read these to you, uh, but you have either thirty or sixty days to pay the fee. Look at my watch and see how we're doing on time. Boy, we're almost out of time, but we'll keep going. Okay, uh, some of this is this. Well, this is actually a very important slide. As I've alluded to, you know, EPA's fiscal year is not a calendar year, and so fiscal 2019 begins this October. So in six and a half months, these fees <clears throat> theoretically are, are, are going to be in effect. <laughs> but there's a possibility this rule will not be effective till some later time. So what EPA is going to do is beginning on October 1, EPA is going to keep a record of basically which fees will be accessed, uh, assessed once the rule is finalized and invoice you later, okay? So this is all coming down the pike pretty quickly. Um, and here, the second bullet is, is, is you know, obviously of interest. Um, you know, the fee rule is a rule under TOSCA, and failure to comply with a rule or order under TOSCA is a violation of TOSCA. And EPA says right in the preamble and right in the proposed regulatory language, that failure to file a fee is a, a fee is a prohibited act and subjects the violator to basically the full penalties available to EPA to be levied under TOSCA each day until the fee is paid. So that is significant. That is significant. So I think, um, if nothing else, you know, if and when this rule goes final, uh, whatever you do, um, don't pay a fee late. Uh, geez, and, and if it's a consortium, of course, EPA is going to look at each of the individual mem members for potential liability for failure to pay the fee. Um, and speaking of consortia, the statute specifically contemplates consortia making payments. Um, consortia basically got to, has to identify itself to EPA. It can decide how to allocate the fees among its members. EPA recommends that the consortium take into account small businesses versus non-small businesses, and if there's some kind of disagreement uh, within 30 days, you have to tell EPA, and then EPA goes in um, and subdivides the fees among the business, and in that case would give small businesses an 80% discount. Related issue, uh, refunds, refunds of fees. Um, if you'll, you can get all your money back if a notice or fee is not required. Um, <clears throat> for example, if you file a payment for something that's not subject to Tosca's jurisdiction, theoretically, um, that is eligible for a 100% refund. Of course, if the substance is already on the inventory, 
um, EPA basically declares the PMN is invalid and you can get your money back. And we're seeing that actually um, uh, with increasing frequency as more and more substances have been added to the inventory since the late 1970s. So uh, we see that more and more often. I guess I should also point out there's no fee for a bona fide request. No fee for a bona fide request for EPA to search the confidential inventory. Uh, if you submit a SNON and you didn't need to submit a SNON, uh, you can get your uh, refund back. Um, the fourth bullet is a big can of worms I don't even want to get into, but the statute specifically says if EPA fails to make a determination by the end of the review period uh, or approve or deny an exemption request, uh, you're eligible for a refund unless you unduly delay the review process. So I guess all I want to say about that is we'll see how that plays out. Um, if for some reason you want to withdraw your notice, do it within the first 10 days, um, and you can get uh, 75 of your, uh, in most cases, $16,000 fee back uh, because EPA doesn't have the authority to, nor will it give refunds uh, for withdrawals after that time. Last slide. EPA, and you don't see too many people you know, talking too much about these, but EPA did offer some alternatives to this, alternative A and B. And alternative A, and you have to, you know, do some thinking to see how you come up with this, but basically is where EPA allocates 33.3% for Section 4, 5, and 6, right? And so if you look at that, remember these fees used to be, what, down around 30000 on there much. Why isn't my arrow working? Um, you can see these fees are much, much higher uh, when you basically allocate 33% of the, of the fees to Section 4 activities. Alternative B, excuse me, um, EPA drops the PMN fee down to about 10% of the cost, estimated cost of reviewing the notice. No, I'm sorry. 10% um, EPA takes this number and this number. Um, sorry, my arrow's not working very well. Those two numbers are 10% of EPA's estimated cost, and EPA simply um, um, increased the $2,500 PMN filing fee by the rate of inflation, so it would be $10,400. The PMN fee wouldn't go up as much as proposed because inflation hasn't been um, that high. And then I think some of these uh, exemption fees here, that's basically supposed to be about a third of the PMN filing fee. Once again, my arrow's not working. Somewhere in there. Um, so those are the alternatives. Um, where And again, you can see some of the differences where at least in alternative B, you've got a much lower PMN filing fee. Um, and alternative A, much, much higher fees for Section 4 activities. So uh, I know that was a lot, but that's what's going on with fees. The comments are due, as I mentioned, April 27th. You know, if you wanted to have, well, what do I do now? Uh, I guess step one is if you are interested in filing comments, you know, certainly do so and do so with specificity. Uh, let us know if we can help. Um, needless to say, if you're going to make some kind of filing like a PMN, uh, it would probably behoove you to do it before October 1st. Um, uh, if you want to do specific, uh, also certainly a uh, uh, file any intermediate PMNs, you'd want to do it before then. Consolidations will continue to be important. Use of exemptions will continue to be important. You know, using low volume exemptions um, where you don't need a full PMN, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think I have another slide or two, maybe just kind of in closing. Uh, 
So our next 3030 is going to be on April 11th, and I thought we had a slide. Uh, we don't. I thought we were going to mention, but I'll mention it briefly. We are going to have a seminar in Chicago, Illinois. I want to say May 8th, 8th, 9th, and 10th on Tosca and food and food packaging. So if you want to come to Chicago after the snow melts, uh, we'll see you in Chicago, and we can spend more time on these and other issues. So um, thank you very much. And if you have any questions, um, I'll try to get to the ones um, mentioned here. I don't know if I have time to do it now. Um, or send me an email, and I'll be happy to answer them that way. So with that, go back to your lunch or the Amazon deal of the day or whatever. Thank you for your time. Bye now.